0: Amen, thank you for these words. George, it reminds me of um, when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well when he said, "But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life." And it's that life that comes forward and blesses. It blesses us and it blesses fellow believers. It brings brings forth life, brings forth a thirst and a hunger for righteousness. (coughs) And I was blessed how um, the blessing comes forth by giving, by pouring out. So again, welcome, church visitors. It's a blessing. And a pleasure to see you here this morning. And uh, the Lord is good. I think we can all say that and amen that after this week. And uh, it really inspired me to to bring a, a message this morning um, that deals with such a week. And as I have uh, through the years, I should say, observed and have been uh, watching how people receive hard times, including myself. Is it a sickness? Is it a loss of a loved one? Is it a difficult situation? Is it relationship? Is it crisis with children? Whatever it may be, it's, um, it's interesting to observe. It, it's interesting to observe how we react. And uh, it does leave somewhat of a, a question mark. It leaves a question mark in all of our minds, what is going on here? What is happening? Why am I facing trials? Why am I going through some tough times? And, um, and I found out it's like every situation in our, own, in our spiritual life that unless we seek the face of the Lord in earnest, in full surrender, we will have no answers. And I will speak about that a little bit later on so I want with this message I want to have a word of encouragement um if you have if you went through some hard times if you're in a hard, going through some tough times right now hopefully we we can it can be an encouragement to you I know a lot of times it's hard to encourage a person that is facing trauma but I believe without knowing, if we comfort, if we're there for people, it just brings a a healing process starts that we do not even realize. And then we look back and we see the Lord's mercy and grace through our brothers and sisters. So I would like to pray before we go into this message and we can all rise to our feet this morning. Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has made it possible that we can stand before you, who has made it possible that we have eternal life. And Lord, we know that you are loving Father. We know that you watch out for your children. We know that you desire to be in fellowship with each and every one of us. But uh, but there's this one peculiar verse in your word. Yeah. And we just read it this morning. Whom you love it, you chastise, Lord. And Lord, we, we pray, Lord, for strength this morning. We pray, Lord, for purpose in our lives this morning. If we've gone through some hard times, if you took us through the fire. Lord, we pray that we will see you, Lord Jesus, and consider you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. And we pray, Lord, that you will encourage our hearts this morning to not have a vision for the here and now, Lord, but for eternity, that you condition our hearts, Lord, and encourage us to follow you, whatever the cost, knowing the love that you poured out for us, Lord. May we also serve you with such a faithful heart. So we ask you, Lord, to be here with us this morning. We pray, Lord, for your spirit. Your Holy Spirit to be here with us and touch our hearts, Lord, and to leave no room for the enemy in this room, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you anoint the words, you anoint our gathering this morning with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (coughs) So it was about, I think it was two weeks ago. When we heard, we were faced with the devastating news of Brother Jordan, which is also close to our fellowship. And at first, it seemed like a fall that would require some medical intervention, and little this and little that. But it turns out that we have a brother that requires serious medical attention, not only medical attention, but a, a brother that requires a lot of prayer and care. Um, not only him, but also the family. We only know of such hard times of trauma when we're involved in it ourselves. If we've experienced the loss of a loved one in our family, or if we've experienced medical hardships in a family, we can start to relate. I know when I was young and my children needed a little bit of medical attention, it was about, my quota was about full, but the Lord didn't test me beyond that. I wasn't used to much, but I know how hard it can be. I can relate now how hard it can be. To see a loved one suffering, to see a loved one that needs to go through a procedure, especially if it's singing between life and death. Our hearts were still heavy when we heard the news about Brother John. And that came even closer home to the fellowship. I watched and I observed how shaken up everybody was, the whole place. There was anxiety a little bit, even before the Lord. And here are starting to ask this question, Lord, what is going on? What's happening, Lord? You look around, you observe. You observe how different people react to the news. I compared those who are the most close to the situation, those that were far off. And it's interesting, very interesting. Here in the church, I observed something beautiful. And it brought me to tears, more than the situation. I observed the closeness and humility before the Lord like never before. I looked and I observed and I saw how the Lord is building a body that reacts when a member is hurting. I looked and I observed how there is a willingness to be there for one another. That is the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is the Holy Spirit working and building a body. Because then we see uninvolved people seeing all kinds of reckless judgment in the name of spirituality without observing God in the situation. And it's, it's fascinating to watch how different people react. And I've come to find out in every crisis you would have that. In every crisis, people will have a reaction and a judgment. But as I said at the beginning, without seeking the face of the Lord, there is no answer. They went to the prophets of old and looked for answers. But the Lord has given his spirit where we can all go into the inner court. Into the Holy of Holies and seek the face of the Lord. In 99.9% of the time, well, it's high. It'll be a different answer than what our flesh desires. God has a plan. His ways are not our ways. And it's up to us to come into fellowship with that plan. So, one thing is certain, we will be faced with difficulties and hardship in our lives. Most of us sitting here, if we're past, well, already in our teens, I would say teens go through some hard times. We watch them close, especially we watch as dads. We see them going through trials already. The older we get, we see trials. It's certain, we will be faced with difficulties. hardship. The question is how do we prepare and how do we react to them? What do we do about them? How do we prepare our heart if we're faced with calamity, if we're faced with hardship? Today can be normal and tomorrow we could be faced with a whole new set of circumstances. John and Monica's family seemed pretty normal on Tuesday. It looked pretty good to me. Wednesday evening was way different. A few weeks ago brother Jordan was grandpa enjoying his grandchildren. Now The family is watching and waiting and in anxiety and wondering what's going to happen. This year may seem like a dream come true, but next year can be full of trials. How do we deal with trials? How do we deal with hardship? For our scripture reading, I want to read. I want to start with James chapter 1. If you can go there, please. I want to... Stay there a little bit. Not long, but want to look for you to look at these verses. James chapter 1 verse 2. James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing... That the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. So let's look at these just these three verses for now. What do we see emphasized here? Is it prosperity? A good and easy life. Rich and good times. What do we see emphasized? We see an emphasis on the perfection of the sand, on God's children. The testing of our faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God has to bring us to a place. Where this may be our heart, that whatever situation we come in, He may touch our very heart to the inner being, that this is what I want to do with your life, to perfect you and complete you, lacking nothing. He then goes on to say, and it's concerning, lacking nothing. And it's fair to me, it's very interesting. He starts talking about wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will, it will be given to him. And he is reminding us again that we, that we come to God in faith, in times of need or in crisis. Godly wisdom enables us to make good choices and wise choices that will have eternal fruit. As I said, Most of us sitting here, if I look at you all, most of you would have gone through a crisis or a hard time. We're all faced with this choice to go to the poor me side. And um, looking at some people sober, I understand that. But God's grace is sufficient. And there's usually a choice... To react even to crisis and to hard times in the flesh. And to let our flesh make that decision versus entrusting the Lord. And this is why I believe, he says here, if any of you lack, lacks wisdom. Wisdom enables us to make these good choices. Especially godly wisdom. It enables us to choose And follow the Holy Spirit and the word of God versus our feelings, versus our brokenness, knowing what is best for eternity. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Unstable in all its ways. So again, we can see the emphasis more on building a person up in the Lord here in this context of wisdom. And we can also see, which I'm going to talk about later on, is a preparation. When we face hard times in our lives to, be, to prepare and to have something to glean off of. When the hand of God is not considered in such a way through hard times, or sickness, or losses, we, 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 always, we see men in the flesh shooting all kinds of ideas. Have you ever noticed that? When you're going through a hard time, especially men, these men like to have solutions. And they come up and they push their pet doctrines. Oh, maybe this doctrine isn't lining up in your life. Or maybe there's sin in the camp. Or maybe there's this or that. It could all be true. But I think just a lot of times from where it's coming from. Is what creates a doubt in my mind. There is something about a fatherly love, about a person conditioning his heart to receive the fatherly love through hard times, through crisis, and to accept it and to be molded and to be shaped into the likeness of his own son. And yes, He can do miracles. Yes, He can bring healing. Yes, He can prevent. But there's something more precious and that is the perfecting of the saint of God. The natural response for the children of God should be to comfort one another and become before our Heavenly Father in prayer, especially as a family of God. That's our natural response. We seek the face of God. We we, we come together and we seek the face of God. However, in order to react in a way as children would react to their father, we have to prepare. Like every concept in Christianity, first we give, we toil, and then we bear fruit. We plant and we wait for the fruit. We die. We plant. We wait for the fruit. First there's the cross. And there's the resurrection. So if we have a visitation of hard times. If we if we go through some serious uh, trauma. Or any whatever it may be. Calamity. And we have not yet prepared in our hearts. And gotten to know who God is. Our Heavenly Father. Then where do we turn to? If we have not let God molded us and shaped us to walk in humility with our brothers and sisters, we lack comforting. Maybe God will use that situation for that. It reminds me of a parable that Jesus spoke in Luke 18. Luke chapter 18 verse 1, he said, and he spoke a parable to them, that a man always ought to pray and not lose heart. Praying and not losing heart is a lifestyle. If we are described as such, we will not be found loafing around or playing with life. We will not be found playing with God or God's people. It is a lifestyle to pray and to not lose heart. We will not be running around looking for the next big doctrine that gives us spiritual excitement. And thinking our answer is in there, and I think we can all relate to that at one point. When the Lord is taking us through His school of discipleship, we're we're running around and looking for a big doctrine, for this excitement, for this new truth, or this new truth. But all He wants is our heart. All He wants us is our heart to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross daily and to follow him. And most of the time, when we want to be spiritual, our reaction is looking for this big new teaching, looking for this new man of God somewhere that's saying this big thing. Preparing a heart means more than that. It's following Christ. So verse 2. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regarded man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And here it gives us a... um, A characteristic that God desires for his children to come to him continually. Trust in him and rely on him. Verse 6, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? And Jesus is not saying that our Heavenly Father is an unjust judge or like him. But he's making a comparison. If the unjust judge will be moved by nagging, how much more Shall a loving heavenly father. Listen to our prayers. How much more shall he avenge his own. How much more shall he hear his own. Through trials. Through hard times. Is what he's saying. Pray and not lose heart. It is through trials. Is it through trials or circumstances in life. Whenever. Scripture talks about, and that's why I like this one verse, when the Son of Man will return, will he find faith on the earth. I've come to find whenever Scripture talks about the Son of Man coming, or talk, if it's talking about a visitation, it's good to compare it to these perplexing moments and to check if we are ready and prepared for them. These times we face here are to prepare us for eternity. We face trials here and we find out we trust and rely on God. We might struggle through these trials, but it wouldn't be a tragedy to come to the end of our journey and find there is no faith, there is no trust, there is no reliance. There is a preparing. And I am, I am taking, I'm fully um, taking for granted here. We understand salvation, salvation, the forgiveness of sin. I'm talking about our journey. So, how do we find assurance? It's not by an idea that I'm fine because I've given my life to the Lord, it's not to have a spiritual birth and brag about it but it's by walking faithful to Christ in all things, in all things. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, he said, Paul said there, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, will if the flesh reap, Corruption. It's all we're going to have. Corruption. Deadness. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. That very life, that resurrected life, that resurrected power will bring life, will stand in the gap in the times of need, in the times of trauma, in the times of calamity. In the end, when the trumpet shall sound, that very life will respond at the resurrection morning. But we have to sow in the spirit. We reap what we sow. And both of these conditions are a lifestyle. We might hide it. We might play with it. But in the end, there's a time of visitation. By God's mercy... At our testing and trials, we are starting to reap what we sow. When we go through hard times, we can reflect how we've been sowing. And it's interesting how he continues to admonish the church right after sowing and reaping. It says in verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. He didn't say, you have to be born again, or continue to go in church on Sunday. No, he exhorts them to not grow weary while doing good. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is sowing in the Spirit. This is a life that has given up and that seeks not its own, but seeks to bless those around them. It's a beautiful and a precious promise. So, how should we react then? in, In closing here, how should we react then to hardship or calamity. Is it injury, health, sickness, loss? Most of the time, when it affects us the the most, I should say, it touches our bodies or our loved ones. That is when it really, really is hard. Well, number one is comfort. Comfort one another. One of the first things that we do is we comfort one another. This is why again, we have to live a life of sowing to the Spirit, of walking in obedience. So when we see a member that is suffering, so we have something to bring, so we have healing to bring. Is it in prayer or words of comfort or just being there and comfort? Even just the Word. A few words in showing that we care. More than ever, this last week, and not only this last week, we've, we've gone through some crises here before. <laughs> but it, it, I was touched this last week, and I was moved and thanked for the wisdom of God, for desiring His children to build, to build each other up, to build them up with one another, especially in a local body. This is, a, this is such a tremendous blessing of building up the body, building up members. And how much more can we build each other up in the Lord? Where Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, that's a local body. Not uh, just this time we're going to go off, pray somewhere. Yes, it'll be there, we do it in His name. But in the context, it's where we decide to do that in the name of Jesus and because of Jesus for what he's done. I will be there in the midst. And he's there and he blesses. And I have seen that over and over in the past. I've heard testimonies how God is using it to bear burdens and to endure trials. It's a time when God's faithfulness is expressed through his body here on earth. And again, therefore, as we have opportunity, Galatians 6.10, let us do Good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Another thing is prayer. As Paul commends us in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Not to neglect prayer. Is it personal or with our brothers and sisters? To not neglect prayer. Calling upon the Lord is the biggest tool the church has. Prayer, again, is a practice that has to be built up. First in our personal life, and also when God's people come together. The more we trust and spend time in prayer, the more fulfilling and comforting it is. Again, it's a lifestyle that has to be cultivated. If we don't have a personal prayer life, then our walk of faith hardly even exists. And I can tell you from experience, if we don't have a personal prayer life, I don't think we have a a, a walk of faith. And again, this is why we have to exercise. This is why it's so important to redeem the time. So when time comes, when we come into hard times, so we can give, even prayer. When the time comes for men to stand in the gap, to stand in the gap where there is such a tremendous need, we will find that they will not just appear. Men that have a walk of faith don't just appear, but rather they have been formed and conformed long before by submitting their lives to the Holy Spirit. Prayer is important. Then we have chastisement. We'll have to discern in our own hearts if God is chastening us. Chastisement is not a strange thing to, uh, to happen to sons. When we have sons and we have children, we chastise them. So sometimes it's correction. Sometimes we, it's because of what they've done. But there's chastisement. I think we just we read it here in. Um, Wasn't in that in Proverbs three, that you read here. It talks about whom about this very thing. In Hebrews 12, verse 5 and 8, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scorches every son, Whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chase? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So I think as fathers, we all know what happens if we never do that. And so it is when we walk with the Lord, sometimes it will take that to, you know, we're going through, and no, go this way or go this way. Some of it will be painful. Otherwise, won't remember. Thanks, Stella. But Indian, no matter what hardship we face. God's children will be purified by it. No temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. So, I'm not saying that this last week was the epitome of bad weeks. It was a difficult week. For some of us, it was testing, but through God's faithfulness, we've heard a lot of praise reports. But each of us go through trials or these difficult times. We cannot lose heart, but look unto Jesus, the author, and the finish of our faith. I have seen it in my life, how hard it can be in times of testing and trials. And it's good to realize and be remembered that we all, we all go through. But can God God accomplish what He desires to accomplish in our life? Can we submit our heart and our spirit so close to His that He is doing a perfecting work in our lives? In closing, now, I want, you to, I want to read in First Peter chapter 1, 3 and 5. He goes first talking about the blessings. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And these are the promises that we have as God's children. But then he goes on to say, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith the salvation of your souls. And so, in other words, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. First Peter chapter 1, 8 and verses 8 and 9. So let us be encouraged that if we do face trials, we do face difficulties, they vary from small to big. Let us find comfort in that God is doing something greater in preparing us and perfecting us for glory. So, Amen.